do not go gentle into that night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Throw wise men at the end, no dark is right. Because the words had forked, no lightning they. Do not go gentle into that good night. Wow. What was that? That's uh, Dylan Thomas. Oh. He was a Welsh poet and writer. Do you want to introduce the podcast before I yeah, well, start I, swimming in details? Indeed. And I'll go first, too, because going left from right. So oh, okay. I'll well, then why did him. you have me open with that? Because it's a great cold open. You ruined it. I sure did. But we're going to fix that. Why are we reading Dylan Thomas poems? Because he was on the yeah. cover of the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band. And Good time podcast. And you're listening to the <laughs> You're listening to that podcast. The only podcast that identifies, biographies, Sigmund Freudifies and May Westifies. Caramelizes. Every figure on the cover of the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band album cover. Today we're talking about Aldous Huxley and Dylan Thomas. Dylan Thomas. Huxley was quite the cool dude. Uh, he was born July 26th in 1894. He's a Leo, uh, and he died in 1963, so he was 69 years old All when right. he died. He would have been 73 on the day if he was there for the picture, so four years before. He died four years before the album came out. Um, yeah, he was born in England, moved to L.A. in the mid-30s, uh, died there. Um, he was a, most notably, he was an author. He wrote on The Doors of Perception, which is where The Doors got their band name. He wrote Brave oh. New World, uh, which is like the, oh, um, uh, doesn't get much higher than that yeah. in terms of like the, the dystopian future. Gets a little higher. Uh, 1984. Well, it's interesting. Um, this came out first. Brave New World came out before 1984. And when 1984 came out and was getting such success, um, uh, Orwell actually wrote a letter to him saying, great job. Not, telling, telling Huxley that Huxley did a great job? No, Huxley wrote to Orwell. Oh. Like, hey, man, like, yeah, you, you get it. I like it when those guys are cool with each other. It sucks when they try to do that, like, competitive... Poetic mm. uh, insult oh, stuff. Yeah. No, Huxley. I don't think he was very competitive at all. Um, although he did want to join the uh, the army, he was going to fight in World War One, but he couldn't because he was blind in one eye. Oh, so he did all this with uh, with a blind eye. Uh, he also wrote The Island, which was made into a movie starring uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, and ScarJo. Yeah, yeah. That movie. actually kind of makes me like that movie more because I always felt like it kind of. Felt like it was well. Wasn't that based on the lottery? Wasn't there like a book called the lottery? Oh, the short story, the lottery. Um, I guess it's kind of about that too, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a fun little short story. Um, he also uh, wrote this thing called the perennial philosophy, which is basically the idea that all religions have one single um, 
goal, like there's an underlining theme of them all, which is a similar thing to what uh, Sviri Swami Yukuswar um, was about. So it's fun to see that word come up again, perennial philosophy. And Star Trek. Star Trek was very much kind of about that. Yes, it was. He dabbled in uh, mysticism as well, which is not the first time we're seeing that word. Uh, mysticism, universalism. Um, interesting thing about um, his death when he was 69 years old. It was um, November 22nd, 1963. What is that? And What's if that the... date isn't familiar to you, that's the day JFK was assassinated. Mm. So JFK was assassinated at roughly 1230 uh, in Dallas. And our boy Huxley um, asked his wife um, on his deathbed at around 520 to... Uh, What's it called? Um, Turn on the news? No, to intramuscularly administer 100 micrograms of LSD. <laughs> so he went out blazing. I'm sure. What if Huxley got so messed up that he astral projected and was that second gunman? Can I talk about Dylan Thomas now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was a Welsh poet and writer. He was born October 27, 1914, and he died November 9, 1953. So he was just shy of 40. Uh, he was, and the reason for that was he was a huge alcoholic. He had, he was a known alcoholic, known partier. Uh, he fell into a coma like a few maybe a couple weeks or a few days before he died. He was in a coma, and then he died. But uh, young Dylan Thomas, I kind of thought, looked a lot like a young Anthony Michael Hall when I was looking at pictures of him. I was like, oh, he's a handsome dude. Kind of looks like kind of looks like Anthony Michael Hall, but he sort of aged into one of the Marx brothers if you look at him when he's <laughs> a little older. He's got the, like, Harpo hair. His most popular poems had... Very cool, like, metal titles. That's why I did that whole Metallica thing so badly. I'll do that again before we go, and we'll just slap that in there. Um, do not go gentle into that good night. Do not pass go. And then another one that was popular, Death Shall Have No Dominion. They read, like, Metallica lyrics. Mm. But he also wrote stories for children. He wrote a story called A Child's Christmas in Wales. And apparently that was mo one of his most popular works as well. He had three kids with his wife, Caitlin McNamara. And uh, they all had weird names. I don't remember their names, super weird names, but it could have been because they're Welsh. A lot of critics at the time, especially towards the end of his life, thought his writing was pretentious because he used a lot of obscure words and was overly extravagant in his writing. That's kind of what I like about it, though. It feels very, like, gothy and new wave, you know? Which, the one that I read before was from the 30s, I'm pretty sure. So that's crazy to me. To mm -hmm. um, but yeah, people criticized him for being too verbose. Obviously, this was right around the time the Beatniks showed up in the poem scene. He was... Uh, a raging alcoholic, you know, 
And that's probably clouded the objectivity of a lot of his critics at the time, you know, because they saw that and then they interpreted it into his work. I don't remember the quote, but someone said that, like, he was as drunk as his is his writing or something like that. That he or he was as drunk on booze as he was on language. Uh-huh. That's okay. a real that's a real backhanded compliment. <laughs> Robert Graves, who wrote I Claudius, you know I Claudius. I do not know. I it's Claudius. a classic book. It was turned into a miniseries in the eighties. I think it's a really good miniseries. But uh, Robert Graves called him a demagogic masturbator who fa- fails to pay his bills. Who do you think uh, the modern Huxley would be? I was I was going to ask another question first. Um, who who's talking to Mae West of these two? Um. Oh, I'm Dylan Thomas. The yeah, Dylan like Thomas. Certainly, here's a fictional dialogue between Dylan Thomas, the renowned Welsh poet and writer, and Mae West, the iconic American actress. Well, 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 Miss West, I must say you are a vision of radiance and will. It's an honor to be in your presence. Oh, Mr. Thomas, the pleasure is all mine. I've long been an admirer of your poetic brilliance. Your words have the power to stir the soul. And ignite the imagination. <laughs> your words are too kind, Miss West, but let me tell you your magnetic charm and fearless spirit have left an indebitable mark on the world of entertainment. You are an inspiration to many. Flattery will get you everywhere, Mr. Thomas. But I must say, your command of language and your ability to paint vivid pictures with your poetry are truly extraordinary. You have a way of capturing the essence of life itself. Thank you, May. I believe that poetry is a gateway to the human experience. It allows us to delve into the depths of our emotions and explore the complexities of existence. And you, my dear, have done the same through your performances, pushing boundaries and captivating audiences. Well, Dylan, it seems we both have a knack for embracing life's pleasures and expressing ourselves with unapologetic honesty. We understand the power of words and their ability to leave a lasting impression. Indeed, May. Our art forms may be different, but the essence remains the same. Whether through poetry or theater, we strive to touch the hearts of those who witness our work and leave a lasting impact on our souls. Absolutely, Dylan. It's about connecting with people on a deeper level, evoking emotions and making them see the world through a different lens. We both seek to challenge, entertain, and provoke thought. That's precisely it, May. We are warriors of words, battling the constraints of societal norms and offering a glimpse into the realms of imagination and possibility. Our voices echo through the ages. Well said, my friend. Here's to our shared passion for the arts, and to a life well lived, filled with adventure, laughter, and a touch of mischief. May our words continue to resonate long after we're gone. Cheers to that, May. Let us keep the flame of creativity burning bright. 
and inspire others to embrace their own artistic journeys. And it's been an absolute pleasure conversing with you. The pleasure is all mine, Dylan. May our paths cross again in the realm of creativity, and may our art continue to shine as a testament to the power of the human spirit. sounds like Aleister Crawley is controlling the computer. What's with all this talk about realms and pleasure and manifesting and mischief? Yeah. <laughs> the constraint of or the constraints of societal norms. It's all very satanic, Joe. Always pushing boundaries, too. Pushing May boundaries. All, all, all chat no apologies. Wants to say about her. No apologies. No, no um no permission. Impact also. on the souls. Not asking for permission or forgiveness. No permission, no forgiveness. No mercy. Long-lasting impact on the soul. Do not go into that. Good night. <laughs> Do not collect $200. I don't, think, I don't think he's a contender, though. These are getting creepier and creepier. You think so? Yeah. I feel like it's just going to all be Latin next time. <laughs> well, that'll be hard to read, then. Well, yeah, that's why it's scary, because then we won't have any more content. No, that was, that was so sad. Then we're going to have to ask ChatGPT to translate that Latin for us. Can we trust it to do that? <laughs> You're not supposed to translate things from Latin. <laughs> Especially a computer shouldn't do it. No. no AI should not be translating Latin. Can't be trusted. And now we're here at the Golden Ox Studio. Thank Golden you for Ox the Golden Studios. Ox Studio for beautiful, beautiful studio. Not <laughs> there's a lot of cameras pointed at us. Uh, makes me feel like I'm in uh, a Cronenberg movie. Uh, which Cronenberg movie? Videodrome. Videodrome. Do you oh, ever see that movie? I have seen that. This room does remind me a little bit of that. And yeah, because it's like a, remember okay. those snuff films, mm. and then eventually his hand just turned into a gun. All those VHS tapes. For every occasion. <laughs> you have a lot of VHS tapes in your house. That's weird, now that you mention it. Well, it is weird, but it's weird that you order random VHS tapes of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman and Northern Exposure. I didn't know what I was getting on those. <laughs> have you watched any of them? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Which one? Of, I watched a Northern Exposure episode uh, that had a Jerry Springer episode sandwiched in between it. And it was just wholesome. Not the not the Jerry Springer. Yeah, it was just <laughs> whole, the whole experience is wholesome. Yeah. and whoever I got these from, they uh, someone must have lived in Guam for a while because it also has local Guam news. K U A M TV. Okay. Yeah, wild. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, they play really well uh, in my Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band VCR mm -hmm. that I just had to switch. I had to send so many box tops. Which you said to had, had a, um, a special feature on it. Do you want to tell us about the special feature? You mean the button on the remote? Yeah. You, you tell me. 
You you tell the, the good listeners. It allows you to skip just like a few moments ahead. Just a few seconds. A few seconds. That's all you need. Do you hold it? So do you hold the button down, or does it? Imagine you just if you click hold it, it down, once? it'll. No, if you just click it once, it just goes about. You and know, it just goes about seconds. three seconds. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love not having to get up. I've got a DVD player, and I can do seek mode, and I can do frame by frame, but I can't go three seconds ahead. It's a lost, lost feature. You would think that as the technology got better, our fast-forwarding and reminding options would get more expansive, you know? Because there's a lot of movies where I know exactly where a part is, and I think it would be cool if there was a remote that had buttons for every spot on the time code. So, like, I'm trying to get to, let's say, the part in E.T. where Peter Coyote's character, the uh, doctor is like telling Elliot, no, this was my dream too. And I know exactly where that is. And I can just hit one button and it'll go right to that part, right? But that doesn't exist. And it probably never will. Would we replace these two gentlemen with today? Hmm. Dylan Thomas is very dark, but he also wrote children's stories. So Mick Foley, the professional wrestler. Your pick? My pick (laughs) um, is... Thinking like, I'm thinking the children's books thing. I'm thinking of like Mother Goose, but um, like an alcoholic Mother Goose. Alcoholic Mother Goose, which would just look like a goose, really. Was Mother Goose supposed to be a goose? I know in some illustrations she's a goose that has human clothing. An anthropomorphic goose lady. But in other illustrations I've seen, she's just another lady mm. that wears the mother goose clothes, like oh, the little bonnet and everything. Like last name. I guess so, yeah. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, scratch that, actually. Um, how about Frank L. Baum? Wrote The Wizard of Oz. Or more so, um, have you seen Return to Oz? Yeah. That's still L. Frank Baum. Yeah. But that movie is... A lot darker than okay. than the Wizard of Oz and the book also. Um, someone from there, who is that? Lori Piper. Is she the one that plays the uh, Queen Mombi? Oh no, but Queen Mombi. But Queen Mombi's a far cry from Dylan Thomas. It is. Um, I don't know. Who are some maybe one of the, Maybe. Uh, how just how about David Bowie from Labyrinth? How about just Jareth from Labyrinth? Because he had a children's story that if you read it, you became mm. his fifteen-year-old girlfriend. And he did have a camel toe. Well, that was I think that was actually just his dong was so big that it was pushing the rest of the space in his pants forward. 
or backwards? I don't know. No, that was his package. When was the last time really, you saw... Really pushing boundaries is what it was doing. It was pushing boundaries. I like that. I like that more than um, anything else. Yeah, Jareth. Yeah. Jareth from Jareth. Labyrinth. And then, oh, and then uh, for Huxley. And for Huxley, yeah. Who Huxley. are we doing for Huxley? I'm trying to think of some kind of like psychonaut. Also uh, author. Uh, oh, um... Yeah. Castaneda? Oh, Carlos Castaneda. I don't know who that is. Um, the like the teachings, the teachings of Don Juan, M- maybe Don Juan, who I don't think is a fictional character. I won't say no because I have no idea who you're talking about. Um, that's cool. Uh, but what about um, I can't think of his name right now. But everybody loves that movie, uh, Fear and Loathing. Come oh, on, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. What about mm-hmm. Hunter Thompson? For Huxley. He did a lot of drugs. He sure did. And he wrote science fiction and stories. And he wrote, yeah. Well, it wasn't really about the... Um, there were lizard people in his stories. Which is kind of dystopian. Yeah. Or utopian, you know? It was euphoric. Depending on if you like lizards. <laughs> if you like lizards, it's a utopian society. Yeah, but I feel like most people don't like lizards. So the general consensus would be a world where there were lizard people would probably be a dystopian mm-hmm. world. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, who, who do we have next week? Oh, I don't even know. Um, I haven't done a lick of research. Um, that's a handsome guy. Dean Martin. Definitely not Dean Martin. Dean Martin should have been on the cover. Oh, that's uh, that's Dion. No, that's not Dion. Dion's next to him, apparently. Wow, yeah, Dion is the one that kind of looks like Ezra Koenig of Get your Empire albums out. Weekend. Get your Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, Lonely Hearts Club Band album covers out your G- your gifs, your gifs, and your JPEGs. Oh, it's uh, Terry Southern. He was a screenwriter. Oh. Yeah, don't know what he wrote. That'll we'll, be fun. We'll find out. I'm a big movie guy, Joe. We will find out. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to keep doing this. We hope as you long keep as listening. there are people on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know, eventually we're going to get to a point where we're just going to have to talk about the drum. It's going to get there. <laughs>